Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Well, uh, Ryan, never a dull moment. This afternoon, you're on a radio hit with uh, ESPN Rochester. The Bills have made a trade right as I was clicking publish on my 53-man roster projection. So we had to make a a few changes on the fly here. Uh, But we have landed at what I believe will be the Bills' final 53-man roster. And Welcome to the show, everybody, first of all. Thank you for joining us. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, We were out at practice today, but like I told you guys yesterday, a little bit different uh, now that we don't get to watch all the team drills. So not a lot of um, uh, takeaways, if you will, from practice today. But, you know, this is more of a kind of a deep dive, more of a, um, you know, wide range uh, observation of what what we've talked about for the last couple of weeks and what's allowed – you know, me to land on, on what I think is going to happen here. This is a shout football podcast. If you're watching for the first time, we are going to be live all season long right here uh, with our live shows, subscribe rate review. If you can find us on the audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, so on and so forth. Ryan, my man, how are you? What do you think about this uh, Andre Smith gentleman? Yeah, well, first and foremost, never a dull moment. You know, I'm looking in the comments and people saying, oh, the, the start time keeps getting pushed back. That's the beauty of the NFL and covering these teams. You know, Matt's about to publish 53-man roster projection. I'm doing a radio spot. Trade goes down. So now he has to adjust that. I start doing some research on, on this uh, new linebacker. It's just the way of the NFL. But, in, you know, in, in terms of Andre Smith, an, an interesting guy, still a very young linebacker at 23 uh, actually has some ties to the Bills already because the the pick that the Panthers used to draft him came from Buffalo in the Kelvin Benjamin deal. So a little bit of a, a tie there for Buffalo. Uh, mostly a special teams guy to this point in time, but I, I think it really stresses the fact that Buffalo isn't sure what they have at the depth position of, of the linebacker spot right now. And at least this gives them a chance to kind of evaluate him leading up to roster cutdowns. It is a conditional 2023 picks or we're talking way down the road 
Uh, and we'll know a little bit more about this in terms of the, the overall conditions as, as time goes on. It might be if he makes a 53-man roster, it's this pick, so on and so forth. But, you know, just a guy that I think the Bills must have liked enough that they wanted to get a little bit of an evaluation on him here leading up to roster cutdowns. Definitely. And, you know, I had to change it up because I had the Bills going with five linebackers. Um, Tyrell Dotson, Tyler Medikevich, and who I anticipate to be, be the three starters, and A.J. Klein, Tremaine Edmonds, and Matt Milano. But I added Andre Smith because I think what – first of all, the Bills – you know, historically do keep six linebackers. And Keith, Heath Farwell has talked about recently the importance of that position in terms of the depth guys and what they mean to the different special teams units. So I I kind of wanted to land at six anyway, but I, I didn't get a big vote of confidence in uh, Voshan Joseph when we talked to Leslie Frazier on Friday. So I kind of went uh, – once they made the decision, I thought, okay, they're not going to bring him in you know, in my mind and then turn around in a week. I mean, if you give up a seventh round pick, even though it's a seventh round pick, you obviously have plans for him. And, and so I, I would love to have seen him in some of the training camp uh, situations, but to me, they're going to want to get him, uh, you know, get some tape on him in some of these games to see if he can make a difference in terms of what they're trying to do on special teams, because that's been a big piece of this off season has been, you know, building up these special teams units. So where that, they're competitive in terms of being some of the best units in the NFL. You heard Heath Farwell talk about the Gunners. You know, they bring in Tyler Medikevich, who is an absolute terror in terms of a tackler and a coverage guy. So, yeah, horns up. What's up, Elliot? Uh, by the way, I will debut my horns up UB Bulls mask that I got at Wegmans. That'll be on the show one of these days. I don't have it on me right now. We've been rushing around, but that, that's pretty awesome. Um, and speaking of horns up, we'll get to a, a very important contender in a minute here in Cam Lewis. But I think that – you know, for me, they're going to want to, um, you know, have those depth guys for what they want to do on special teams. And so I, I, I think I was always probably going to land back at six. I think I probably would have gone with Corey Thompson at the last second. But I think that, you know, the time that he's missed in camp and I think that how well Tyrell Dotson has played means that, you know, Dotson is kept over Corey Thompson. And, you know, they hope that maybe they can get back to Sean Joseph on the practice squad if they cut him. Yeah, Joseph or even Corey Thompson in this case, depending on what they can do there. I think both of those are one or both of them could be valuable additions to the practice squad. You said it best. They, they need those linebackers, those depth linebackers that can contribute on special teams. And that's something that Andre Smith has done and done pretty well. 66% of Carolina's snaps last year on special teams. Uh, five special teams tackles seem to be have a, a Good role there, a sizable role there with the team. Let, let's get right in, though, to your 53-man roster projection. Let's start at the top, Matt. Quarterback position, because I feel like all offseason, we've kind of flip-flopped between two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, two. You settled on two quarterbacks. So what, can you get a little bit into that and just kind of tell us where you were, your head was at when you made that decision? You know, this is going to be a common theme on this, but, you know, I think that Matt Barkley earned the backup job. You know what I mean? I think that he was reliable enough. Like there weren't a lot of big plays. There weren't a lot of big moments, but I thought that throughout camp, he was steady. He was reliable. Even when he was going up against the first team defense and he struggled to kind of get things going, he still didn't make any big time mistakes. And, and so to me, that just tells you that if Josh Allen goes down, you can hand the keys over to Matt Barkley and trust in him. Why aren't they going to keep three, three quarterbacks? Because, Two reasons. Number one, I don't think Jake Fromm was good enough the last two weeks to earn that third spot, make force the Bills to keep him. And I just think that there's too many guys that are going to get cut that you wish you could keep on this roster. I mean, well, 
we, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's a lot of really important decisions they're making at several positions, which is a good thing. This is where you want to be in year four of the build, where you're getting rid of guys that mean something to you and that, you know, in most years would have made the roster and would have been a, an impact player for you because of, hey, that's just how good this roster is. We're building with young talent. And I think that you got to kind of live with those uh, decisions. But I just think that Jake Fromm wasn't good enough, to be to be frank. And I think that, you know, his offseason season, off season um, uh offseason incident and some of the baggage that he comes with and the fact that he hasn't been overly impressive, you know, you take that combination and you say, okay, we'll take our chances and see if we can't get him back in the practice squad. If that's even the play. Yeah. Without a doubt. And you don't want to lose a, a fifth round pick or a draft pick that quickly. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is the most talented bills roster in years. And I was actually talking about this on ESPN Rochester, where when, when you used to be able to dwindle down the Bills 53 and roster projections, it used to actually be kind of an easy exercise where you could even get it down to 48 or 49 and be like, yeah, we're going to, they're probably going to fill in three or four of these spots with players that are cut from other teams. And the Bills may still end up doing that this year, find some guys that are cut from other teams and then cut some guys that were on their initial 53. But this is such a deep roster that you can't carry a third quarterback most likely this year. And while you don't want to lose from, you know, you could at least there, there hasn't been a long tr history of success with fifth round picks in the NFL. Bring him back to the practice squad if possible. Let him develop there. Uh, if you like the development that you see from him, maybe you can promote him later on this year. But yeah, definitely. I agree with that thought process. Matt Barkley is that guy that if Allen goes down for two to four weeks, I, I think he can kind of keep the bills afloat and, and kind of keep them near that 500 record point based on the talent on the defense, based on the talent on the offense around him. Uh, jumping into that running back position, there have been a lot some comments here about um, too many running backs kept on your 53, some, some love for Reggie Gilliam. But, you know, I watched that Sean McDermott presser along with you today. He kind of splashed some cold water on Reggie Gilliam. And maybe, maybe that's just coach talk. Maybe he's trying to get Reggie on to the practice squad. Um it wasn't that long ago that he was talking about Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins having a lot of runway in front of them still at the wide receiver position, but we all know how impressive Gabriel Davis has been. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into these comments. Sean McDermott keeps things close to his vest, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your decisions that you made at the running back position? You know, I, I tried to find a way to cut TJ Yeldon and I just could, I just wasn't comfortable with it because you know, one of the things that, you know, the strength of this offense last year, any way that you want to cut it was the running game. I mean, they were ranked eighth in the league. Uh, obviously, a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. Uh, but even at times when Frank Gore was in the game, he looked pretty good. And I think that to lose any type of veteran presence, and I know Taiwan Jones is is somebody that, you know, I would even be in the camp of uh, letting him be that kind of safety valve in a lot of situations. There might be a lot of weeks where you might keep Yeldon and you don't keep him active. But I think just having that third option uh, behind two guys that have shown that, you know, early in their careers, you know, Devin last year and Zach at the college level, you know, they, they've been injured. And so availability is a big deal with Sean McDermott. If you go back and look at TJ Yeldon's career, you know, there might not have been, you know, crazy stretches of, of superstar production. But the guy stays healthy. The guy stays on the field. So that's a big deal. I went with DeMarco over Gilliam because I think that they have a workaround here. I think that in these times, 
young players, and it's why I also made the decision. I've seen a couple comments about Dane uh, Jackson. It's why it, it, this goes into that decision as well. I think that guys who maybe end up getting cut on good teams, young players, are more, you know, uh, I don't know. I think they'd be motivated a little bit more to stay with the teams that they've spent the last few months with as opposed to changing scenes, learning a new playbook. There's already so much on their plate to then go into a situation where they have to learn a new playbook. They're not going to get snaps. At least the to keeping the vernacular – the same and in and, and a lot of the uh you know the vocabulary and the and just the familiarity with the with the playbook i think is important so i think that you can get away with or maybe tell reggie gilliam hey we're gonna cut you we don't think patrick demarco's ready yet but we can't lose him because he's a veteran leader and we want to see where that thing's so you you keep demarco on the 53-man roster you cut gilliam you then transfer uh, DeMarco to the short-term IR, re-sign Reggie Gilliam, and then kind of give him a tryout. Because what the, the problem is, if you put Patrick DeMarco on the IR before the cutdown, he has to miss the entire season. So I don't think that they're there yet in terms of their comfort level with Reggie Gilliam. Like you mentioned, Sean didn't really seem uh, too rah-rah about him this morning. And, and like you said, I don't expect him to be. I mean, they're always playing things close to the vest. But um, so I think that five running backs, I think you could get away with four depending on your confidence level in Singletary and Moss. And I think from a playmaking ability production standpoint, that confidence will be there, but it's just, it's two young guys and it's two guys that have been hurt in the past. So, uh, that's where I was thinking uh, with that. Yeah. And great breakdown on the IR talk with DeMarco. And there's some other bills players that you could, that might be able to be on that short term IR list or the pup list, but you have to get them on that initial 53 man roster first. So great breakdown there. Uh, someone in the comments was asking about Gabriel Davis and the kind of impact. We actually talked a little bit about that yesterday uh, when we had our, our live chat here. Um, you know, it's kind of to be determined, but he, he's definitely checked a lot of boxes there. He was probably, he was an easy addition to year 53. He'll be an easy addition to every 53 man roster projection, but what was the tough decision or decisions that you had to make at the wide receiver position? It's the headline, man. It's the battle of the Isaiahs. And it was Levi Wallace. I think you tweeted out the, the quote here, uh, or, or a few guys in the call did today that, you know, it's, it's big Isaiah and little Isaiah and kind of what those two guys, I mean, they're both dynamic guys. The thing with Isaiah McKenzie is we've seen him do it at the NFL level. You know, we haven't seen Isaiah Hodgins in an NFL game yet, but I really think it comes down to those two guys. And I don't think the Bills will be able to keep seven wide receivers with all the talent that they have up and down this roster. So I think Gabriel Davis has put himself in the same category, as crazy as that sounds, as Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown as absolute locks to make this team. I'm not sitting here suggesting that he's at their level yet or anything like that, but he's he's a guy that I think's proven not only is he a fourth round pick, we went in thinking that he was pretty safe. He's also just, you know, he looks like he's gonna be a really good player. Andre Roberts is your uh, Pro Bowl level return man. I think he's a lock. And then I just think with Hodgins, the risk is too high at losing him. And I love, you know, what we've heard. You know, I, I was impressed, uh, amazed at how complimentary Brian Dable was of Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, he's not usually that overtly complimentary of players, but you know, McKenzie means something to this offense. It, it, it he's a tool. For Brian Dable, I mean, the way that he's able to kind of keep defenses off balance and also kind of tell Brian Dable and Josh Allen what the defense wants to do because of you know the fact that he has to be checked when he's on the field and he's running across the formation. So 
you'd love to keep him on the roster. And I think in a perfect world, you'd love to keep all seven and protect Hodgins. You just can't do that. So do you talk to Hodgins and say, listen, we have big plans for your future. We really want you involved, but we are in a win now mode. We want to keep Isaiah McKenzie on this roster because of all the things that he can do. We're going to release you and bring you back to the practice squad. Yeah, that's the tough call. I would think that Hodgins, though, I would probably rather keep him on that main roster, see if you can get Isaiah McKenzie on the practice squad. You know, they, they did re-sign McKenzie back in, in late March, um, but it was, it was for, if not at the, the vet minimum or near it. So there, there clearly wasn't a huge market for him, and that doesn't mean that another team wouldn't claim him off waivers if they cut him now. I think there's a, a legitimate chance you get Isaiah McKenzie on your practice squad. You can get a guy like Duke Williams on your practice squad. There's going to be a lot of talented players looking for new homes this weekend, and not every single one of them is going to find a new landing spot. So some of these guys that you know the Bills Mafia don't want to see the Bills lose, I still think you're going to be able to get them onto that 16-man practice squad. So it has to come down to, hey, if you think Isaiah Hodgins has a big future in Buffalo, get him on that 53-man roster now. Don't risk losing him again. It's a draft pick. Yes, it was a late draft pick, but get him on that roster now. And, and then as the season goes on, you know, elevate, demote as need be. But I, th- I think getting him on that 53-man roster in the beginning uh, of the season is pretty important see, to see what he can do with limited reps. That takes us over to the wide receiver position. I'm, sorry, I'm, just, I'm, no. just, la- I'm just laughing at some of these uh, comments. Truth the hearts. Uh, yeah, Hodgins ain't making it over Duke. I, I love Duke Williams, man. Like I appreciate your love for Duke Williams. But if we are sitting here on Saturday at 4.30 and Duke Williams is on this roster, I will give you the ghost hands to the face, mo- mouth open wide emoji, okay? Because it would just absolutely shock me if Duke Williams makes this roster because the Bills cut him last year after a really excellent training camp, and they brought him right back on, a, on their practice squad. Listen – he had a, a really big opportunity last year. And we're not talking about a rookie receiver at Duke Williams. That's another thing that's important to talk about last year. He wasn't a rookie. He was a 27-year-old with professional football experience. CFL, albeit, but it was still professional football experience. He had some big moments last year. He had a nice game against the Titans, game-winning touchdown, great stuff. And I'm telling you, this guy in practice is really, really good. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. But I just think with where are you going to play Duke Williams? Why are you going to keep him on your roster to sit him inactive every week? That's what he's going to be. At least if you have Isaiah McKenzie, you're at least going to want to activate him and make sure that he's a part of your plan if he's in your plans. So I I appreciate and respect the love for Duke Williams and a guy that deserves it. And if you're a fan of his, great. Like I, I, I think you should hope for big things. I just don't think there's room for him on this Bills roster. And that's fair. And you nailed it with the age factor. You you know, you want to keep the younger guys over the, these guys that are in their late twenties. Uh, again, Williams could be a guy that they say, Hey, how about you come into our practice squad? You know, the system, you, you can step right in if there's an injury later this year and we could even promote you to that main roster. But right now we're going with some youth as that, those depth options. So it doesn't mean his story is over in Buffalo, but if they only keep, especially if they only keep six, I don't see a path for him to this roster. Even if they keep seven, it's going to be very difficult. Tight end talk, a little bit banged up there right now. So how, how difficult was that for you to project with your 53-man roster, especially with some of the uncertainty? We, we really don't know, at least unless I missed something, the severity of Tommy Sweeney's injury. 
And we learned that Croft has a little bit of an injury now. We don't know if it's the same foot necessarily that he's had previous injuries with. Yeah, I mean, when you hear foot and Tyler Croft, it's concerning. And, you know, he had two bouts of it last year. We broke it in OTAs and then came back, hurt it again when he got back. And the second time he didn't break it. It was just like a really bad, uh, you know, aggravation of the injury. And so you don't know what this is, but he every time he's had a foot injury before, he's missed an extended amount of time. So, you know, if he's not ready to go, he's another guy. And, and I see a comment in here, just cut Croft. Well, the problem with cutting Croft is his contract is fully guaranteed this year at over $5 million. So I don't think that that's necessarily in the cards. And I think that they believe in him. Like he's a guy that had some success in Cincinnati, made a big play last year against Pittsburgh. And in that tight end two role as a veteran, I think he's valuable. I think he could bring something to the table, but your best ability is your availability, as Sean McDermott always says. And if he can't stay healthy, you may have to look for other options. Does Dr Jason Kroom enter the conversation? I'm not sure. Do the Bills look to the kind of free agent market to maybe bring somebody in? That's a that's a, a conversation to have. I thought Jason Kroom has been really good um, this uh, training camp. And all this is said with the, you know, the idea in mind that we don't know what's going on with Tommy Sweeney. He's got a foot injury. He was out of practice today, walking around. Uh, I've seen him around, you know, the the field when we've been there. Uh, but is it a, is it a case where you kind of want to give him some more time to rehab? I believe it was a broken foot, so you know he's kind of in that range of coming back here right around the start of the season. But he's had no training camp. He's had no off season. So, uh, well, he had part of an off season before the injury. But you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, meaningful team work. He's had none of it. So now we're sitting here looking at, can he be a day one contributor? If you put him on the roster, say Croft needs to be uh, on, on early IR or whatever. Uh, I just don't know where your comfort level is. And you don't want to land in a situation where Lee Smith is, is relied upon to be a part of the passing game because, you know, as he's kind of a, he's a, he's a pretty reliable target. You know, he catches the ball when it's thrown to him. It's just about the speed and quickness, the lack of that and, and inability to kind of get open consistently. I think that'd be a problem. Interesting enough though, Ryan, I don't know if it's a long shot, but the Bills recently changed Reggie Gilliam on their roster from fullback to tight end. They list him as a tight end. So maybe he'll be in play as uh, maybe that tight end uh, fill in for some injured guys. You never know. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he was more of an H back at Toledo. So he has that ability to be that pass catcher um, with all these injuries. Like you said, you never know. Uh, Lee Smith, I think you said it perfectly. You can kind of sneak him out at the goal line and he'll catch the ball when you throw it to him because he gets out there and he's usually wide open on those. Uh, play action fakes, but he's not a guy that you're going to run out there a lot that you don't want to have out there a lot running routes in, in the, you know, from the 20 to the 20, because he's not going to get open off and, and he's not going to have those yards after catch that uh, uh, Sweeney or even a Knox if, if or, I'm sorry, a Knox if healthy, but uh, Sweeney and, and those other guys could possibly do. So that takes us now to the offensive line. And, and you know, one interesting thing that I found in your 53 on roster projection, Matt, was you almost had Winters on the outside looking in after the Bills added him. So, uh, you know, with what you can say and what you said, I think what you said in the piece was great, but maybe those that haven't had a chance to check it out yet, talk a little bit about Brian Winters first and foremost, and then about some of the decisions that you made on the offensive line. Yeah, I just thought that Brian Winters, um, you know, you bring in a veteran like that, and he walks in here day one with any with more starts than anybody currently on the roster on the offensive line. So you think, all right, we get him in here, plug him in at right guard, and we're off and running. And you know, uh, I can't really talk about where he's been and how where how how much he's played, 
But as I've watched him and some of the matchups that I've watched him in, I've just left them being unimpressed. And, you know, I want to, part of me wants to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is coming off of a shoulder injury. He didn't play a big chunk of the end of last season. And, and, and as a veteran, as an older guy, you know, maybe not having that OTAs and, and mini camp to kind of get yourself up and running impacted him. And, and this is a truncated training camp to begin with. So I think that the reason I kept him on the roster is because I think that the Bills, depending on what's going on with John Feliciano, still want some dependable depth, even if they don't hand him the job to start the season. Oh, another bone to pick. I tweeted out yesterday about Tyler Bass or two days or when Tyler Bass got the job and I said, oh, you know, yesterday when he made the five field goals in practice and I said the Bills are handing the job over after the Bills handed the job over to Tyler Bass, he went five for five. I wasn't implying that they he didn't earn the job. It was just a, a figure of speech. They're giving him the job. You know, whether he earned it or not, I wasn't making any suggestion about that. So calm down, Twitter. I had some guy in Georgia, a sports director there, quote me and said, I think the word you're looking for is earn. And I said, no, I used the word I was looking for. I wasn't implying that he didn't earn it. Anyway, just a little bit up on my soapbox there, but um, that kind of bothered me. But no, I just thought that Winters, you know, I would have liked to see a stronger camp uh, out of him, but I still think that he it figures into the plans because they, you know, he. I think to me, you know, again, I can't, this is tough because I can't talk about what these guys did and where they were. But if you look at some of the other pieces and you start playing the math of where guys go, even if he's not your starting right guard, Brian Winters, and I'm not giving anything away, he was the starting right guard for the Jets last year. I still think that he plays a very important depth role as an interior guy. And I know he doesn't play center, but he could probably play on the left side if you needed him to. Quentin Spain's injured right now. How long is he going to be out for? So you start doing the math and you go back to last year when they kept 10 offensive linemen. And I think that, you know, Sean and Bobby, they really believe in Brian Dable. They believe in making sure that that offensive line is set. So I just said 10 guys and, and, and Brian Winters was my 10. And it wasn't a, that one wasn't an easy call. Like I, I don't, I've not been impressed by Ike Bucker either as a guy that's in his third year in the system. And somebody I know early on in his career, you liked him as well. Um, I never feel like he reached that next level where, uh, you know, he made enough impact to, to really notice, but he, again, another guy with great flexibility. You know, I have two more questions for you in the offensive line before we move on. And, and one of these was something that was asked to me on ESPN Rochester. And again, you can't go into details on where they were lining up and things like that at camp. But I was asked, you know, is it worth moving Cody Ford possibly to guard knowing that Feliciano is going to be back easily by midseason? Um, and, you know, he's he's trying to say he was going to be back by week four. Or is it better off to maybe start him at right tackle where he has a, a year of experience? Uh, I, I guess the question there is, do you move a guy over and then pretty much say after a few weeks, well, we're either going to move you back or rotate you? And then second, if there's one offensive lineman, maybe that maybe it is Winters, maybe it's someone that you don't have on the outside looking in, that the Bills could maybe trade away to another offensive line needy team. Who do you see that being? Both great questions. Um, I'll do the uh, who do I think that they trade. Um, I think that probably Daryl Williams, if they were going to, if they, if the return was there and you can get like a fourth or even maybe a third round pick, if you, if you're talking to a real, you know, t, uh, offensive line needy team, uh, yeah, you know, pull the trigger there. I mean, if, if you believe that Ty and Seki, uh, and you know, Cody Ford or whoever else you have in the mix there, I know Ryan Bates played some tackle for them last season. If you feel like you have enough guys there, but again, like, I really do think that they they'll be careful there because if you look at the guys that they traded away last year, 
um, you know, uh, Russell Bodine, Wyatt Teller. I don't think really in hindsight, either of those guys were in the mix of a competition for a starting job. I think those were depth pieces where I think that Daryl Williams, while I can't tell you where he's in the competition, I definitely think he, he's put his best foot forward and should be considered to be competing for a starting job wherever that ends up being. So with that said, you, you know, you transition to Ford. I think that whatever you do with Ford, no one else should be considered. You know what I mean? Like, because he is a second round pick, you know, a guy that with first round talent that you, your objective, your main objective with him should be where, it, where do we find a home for him? Where do we find a place that he is going to be at his best? And if that happens to be at right guard, then it happens to be at right guard. And then you, you move on and you piece together things around him because I think if he reaches his potential, he has the, he has the chance to be better than John Feliciano and better than Quentin Spain and better than Ty Insecki and better than Daryl Williams. So I, I think that you, you put Cody Ford wherever you need to put him, And then you make plans after that. Cause I think, you know, Feliciano has got flexibility. Who's to say that, you know, he doesn't come back and, you know, if Ford happens to be at right guard, they, they move Quentin Spain out of left guard and put Feliciano there. Or what if Mitch Morse goes down and they need a center Feliciano's there. Not to mention week four is like, best case scenario it could be a situation where yeah he thinks he's ready and even the doctors say he's ready but maybe he needs a few extra weeks to get ready so uh i think all good all good points but i think it all it, it's it's almost like i treat cody ford like the bills treat josh allen where it's all about him you know while you try to get him to the level that you need to get him to Oh, absolutely. And like you said, former second round pick, recent second round pick. And if you think that his best future, he can be an all pro on the inside, play him there, keep him there, don't move him out. Uh, or if you think he still has a future on the outside, start him there, let him play there. Absolutely great explanation. Defensive line talk now. Million dollar question has been Trent Murphy all offseason. Your 53-man roster projection, you have him out. Does it come down to financials or – it would, is it simply that there are other options and there's enough enough talent in depth, or was it a combination of the two? I feel like a lot of people that are in this debate here, whether it be on social media or even the media, in the media, you you have your take on this and you're pretty set in it. You know what I mean? I fluctuate, man. I go back and forth. I really struggle to believe that Sean McDermott would be confident enough. You know that the new additions are ready to really hit the ground running, and he's all set on his defensive line to move away from a guy like Trent Murphy. That you can see, even by the way he talked about him today, there's there's legitimate trust there. I mean, to, for him to say that he's playing better in this training camp than a year ago, he just seems more comfortable. Uh, he's a leader. He's a guy that you know he 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 relies upon in the room. But I think it does come down to financials, and you look at the, the salary cap this year is one ninety one hundred ninety eight million. It's going to go down to you know, as low as 175 million and they have work to do. And I, I know that there is a crowd out there. Um, I don't know where, where I stand on the whole, is the salary cap a myth? I, 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 I'm not an expert enough on it to really dive too much into that discussion, but I just think that there are, you know, if it comes down to Milano versus Trent Murphy in a contract year and, you know, also you're paying him, nine million nine nine and a half million dollars this year that's a that's a lot of money for a rotational piece when you have a guy a hungry guy that's waiting in the wings in a daryl johnson who i think you still even though this is a year you want to win you want to develop him you want to get him some snaps you want to continue to build that not to mention the fact that he's a special teams contributor and trent murphy isn't 
You know, Mario Addison's not playing special teams. Quinton Jefferson's not playing special teams. Vernon Butler's not playing special teams. Daryl Johnson will play special teams. So, you know, I think you just got to take all of that into account. And, you know, as good as Trent Murphy was last year, and I've, again, fluctuated back and forth, I think at the end of the day with all the tough decisions, and listen, maybe in if, say my roster projection is 97% right, and they go with five corners like they did last year, which they still could do. I, they could go with five corners with, you know, the two slots and the, uh, you know, Levi, Josh Norman, Tredavious White. They could do that and then add in a ninth defensive lineman just because of how much talent there and and keep Trent Murphy. That that's probably going to work. But I just it did, it did come down to financials for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a fifty-three man roster projection coming out later this week, and I'm still not one hundred percent sure where Murphy's going to land on mine. He he played so many snaps last year. He was good at, at setting the edge. He could get after the quarterback in terms you know a lot of pressures there. Um, five sacks from starting from that Steelers game, two against the Jets in the finale in the regular season, two in the playoff game. So kind of came on in that regard. Uh, I know you have Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa as new faces in that room. You have Quentin Jefferson, a, a guy that has that versatility to play inside, outside. So you have options, but th- this is not as cut and clear as, hey, let, let's save those $8 million in, in salary cap because this is a guy that can still be a valuable contributor. So you know, those people that end up having him on their roster can't blame them. Those that have them off can't blame them. It's just one of those decisions that we're going to come back to it here in about a week's time and say, okay, well, here's what they ended up doing. Here's why. And I completely understand it. Linebacker position. Obviously, we, we talked a little bit about Andre Smith. They made the trade there. Is that a, uh, does that pretty much tell you all that we need to know about the depth at the linebacker position and what we've seen at, at camp so far? Yeah, and I think that the writing was on the wall for this. I thought that um, it's the, a kind of a situation where you know you go through this whole shortened training camp. We talked; you heard Sean talk about, uh, or I believe it was Leslie. You know, Vashawn Joseph missed a lot of time last year, important time last year, and to expect him to kind of hit the ground running and be at the level of where you need to be at, like if Tremaine Edmonds goes down, you know. Uh, it, it could be Tyler Medikevich that goes into that role, but Tyrell Dotson could play that role as well. And could Tyrell Dotson play better in that role than Tyler Medikevich? Maybe there's a reason Tyler Medikevich hasn't played a lot of uh, you know interior linebacker in this league because maybe you know his strength is special teams. That's where he excels. He's really good there. So I I just kind of understand if the Bills kind of you know gave their young guys an opportunity to really prove themselves, and if they just didn't see enough to feel confident going into this. And, you know, I think that in a, in a guy like Smith, if they're willing to give up a draft asset to bring him in last minute like this, there must be some intel back in the Carolina connection that's telling them, hey, this is a guy that could come in here, fulfill a need. If he's called upon, he'll be all right, uh, you know, on the defensive side of things. So, you know, very interesting. I'm very interested to see how the linebacker stuff plays out and who they're able to retain on practice squad if a few of these guys are let go. Yeah, and again, this is another position where, you know, you've mentioned Dodson having a nice camp. He might end up on, on the practice squad because there might be a linebacker that becomes available this weekend where the Bills say, you know, here's a guy that knows might know the system. Here's a guy that we feel could come in and be more reliable in that uh, reserve role, whatever the case may be. So even some of these young players that might end up on the 53, it doesn't mean they're going to be there week one because so many players are going to be hitting this market, but 
you, you know, I see in the comments, I think Vashon is a, a goner. Well, he, he might be in terms of the main roster, but they might say, you know, he missed so much time last year, couldn't hit the ground running this year. We, we still want to try to develop him. So try to talk him into joining that uh, practice squad where, you know, I, I think, again, there's there's not a lot of tape on him. Really, there's none in the NFL. So the, the Bills could end up retaining him easier than some of these other guys for their practice squad. This takes us now into the secondary cornerback. Obviously, we know some of the guys on the top. Uh, you mentioned the, the UB Bulls hat here a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about the cornerback position and the safety position. Uh, kind of merge it all into one here. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with admitting that this pick might be some bias. Uh, but I am going with AJ uh, or Cam Lewis to, to make the roster over Dane Jackson. And I'll talk a little bit about this, but before we move on, I, w- I do want to bring up something. Aaron Quinn from Cover One, uh, really good uh, Bills podcast host, has an interesting comment in here, and this is important. He says Trent Murphy led the Bills in snaps last year, so there's no way that he's gone. And I think in most circumstances, you're correct. I, I think that you know, if all things being equal, if we're talking about a production standpoint, a football, just football, you're right. I think that he's probably not gone. But it's interesting you, you bring up snaps because Mario Addison, he played more snaps than Trent Murphy last year. He played 729. He's older than him. So I think that you look at the kind of guys that they brought in and the already what I've seen in training camp, the uh, level of confidence they seem to have in a guy like Quentin Jefferson. I think that you brought in enough pieces to replace that. And not only that, you know, guys develop, you know, Daryl Johnson, the expectation if they keep him over Murphy is that he'll take another step forward, be ready for more responsibility, more snaps in this defense. And I think that I think Daryl Johnson quietly, and he's come on a little bit more as we've gone along. He's been really good the last few days. Like in the scrimmage, I thought that he was pretty noticeable. And especially in practice on Sunday, the last one, I probably should have wrote about him, but I thought that he really, he had a couple really nice moves. He's comfortable. Um, I can't tell you like where he was and what he was doing. I would love to tell you that, which would really shed some light on this here. But um, I'm just, I'm really confident in them wanting to, you know, continue to invest in Daryl Johnson. Now on Lewis, this is my big point and bear with me here. I think that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, they say a lot of things. They say a lot of, you know, do your 111th, you know, trust the process, playoff caliber, all these little cliches, these like idioms that, you know, guys buy into. And one of the things they always say, Sean, more than anybody is everything that happens around here is earned. If you are going to get something, you are going to earn it. And Bottom line, Cam Lewis is better than Dane Jackson. He has earned a roster spot if it comes down to those two players. And this projection, <clears throat> it did. It came down to can the Bills. Now, I still think they might keep five corners. I think that that's perfectly in play. But what I also like about Cam, and Levi mentioned it today, not only did he say that Cam Lewis is balling and playing, which is it's easy for even the most amateur of football watchers to realize that Cam Lewis is at a good training camp. But even without that said, he has versatility. He can play that slot role. Taron Johnson has got injured the last two seasons. He plays very physical. Saran Neal, he has the ability to kind of move in and out. He, he played some outside corner last year. Cam Lewis can as well. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. So I, I really like what Cam offers them. Now, can you take – I know people like Dane Jackson and, and want him on the roster, but I, I don't th- – from what I've seen, point blank, right now I'm telling you, I've watched two weeks of training camp. I don't think that the Bills are in a situation that where if Tredavious White went down and Levi Wallace went down and Josh Norman was still out or whatever, that Dane Jackson could go in and cover 
number one and number two receivers in this league quite yet. I just don't think he's there yet. I don't think that he's ready. So I do think Cam Lewis is ready. And I think that he's got a year in this system. And I think that he reminds me a lot of what they like guys that, you know, come in with a chip on their shoulder, earn everything they get. I think he was better. Uh, I think you could probably make even the argument on some days he was better than Levi Wallace, who I thought had a pretty solid camp as well. So um, yeah, we'll see how this all plays out. I still think they might just go with five corners. If Josh Norman, uh, if that, if that hamstring is okay, I could see them going with five corners, uh, but we'll see. But man, this is a fun time, man. Cause I really, I put out the projection. I really don't know where they're going to go. You always, there's a, always a few curveballs that are going to get thrown at you. And we don't really know what they're valuing in this new look season under the COVID uh, pandemic. So, you know, there's so many interesting uh, decisions looming here. Yeah, I love what you said about Lewis, though, in his versatility, the Bills value versatility year in the system. And, and although Dean Jackson was a draft pick, he was their last draft pick. He's a guy that you, again, you could probably get onto that practice squad. Uh, I don't see a ton of team. I think a lot of the teams that are going to be trying to sign cornerbacks at roster cutdowns are going to be looking for guys that have experience that could step in and contribute immediately. And that's not a knock on Jackson at all. It's just simply the fact that he was a uh, seventh round pick in, in this year's draft. Doesn't have a lot of experience in the NFL, obviously, because of, uh, he's a rookie. So I think he's another guy that you could sneak on to your practice squad or get on there and to continue to develop. Safety position, special teams, no real surprises there. You know, you had Josh Thomas not making the cut at safety. I don't think anyone has to making it. But I do want to give him a quick little shout out because Dean Marlowe did mention him today as having a nice camp again, could be that young player that the bills put on their practice squad to continue to try to develop, try to work with here a little bit. So th- there's no path there though. It's simply put, there's too much talent at that safety position. Uh, especially when you're looking at Marlo being your fourth safety, that, that just goes to show you how strong that position is because he is a guy that can come in and could, could play in the, the event of an injury and can contribute there. Special teams, that's already been decided as well. There's really not much to discuss there, but if there's anything you want to talk about with either of those positions, feel free. Yeah, I think I'll just close things out with, you know, one guy that I think is a really important piece, you know, is Jaquan Johnson because not only was I kind of shocked to hear how complimentary he Farwell was of him. I mean – to call a second-year player that's just starting out here like a leader on special teams already, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Now, I'm not surprised. I mean, the guy was a menace on, on special teams last year. Like, he's a hard-hitting safety who plays physical brand of football that they love, and I, I understand all that. But just for him to be kind of uh, you know developed from a leadership perspective and a guy that kind of owns things in the room, that impressed me because – you want a guy behind your elite safeties, and I'll call both Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde elite NFL safeties. You know, I, I have no arguments with Dean Marlowe said today when he said call them the best safeties in the league. I think they're both very underrated. But if one of those guys goes down, you remember a couple of years ago when Micah Hyde went down and missed a couple of games, and I believe it was Dean Marlowe that played for him. Now you've got a Jaquan Johnson who, you know, I'm. I think it's almost like a bummer that, you know, you had those two guys at the top because I'd almost be really curious to see how he would react if he was given a starting job on this defense. But you have him in case something goes wrong, a special team standout. Um, in terms of special teams, man, I, Tyler Bassmania is taking over. I saw one uh, shirt design. It was, it was a really cool design by a fan. It was like a picture of a bass in, in a Bills logo, a, a bass fish. Uh, really cool. A lot of funny pictures. There's the one with uh, Tyler Bass smoking the cigar. 
the cigar. And uh, that was a really funny picture. So, um, no, I, I thought that, you know, he would have – nothing would have changed had the Bills not released Stephen Hauschka and uh, Lachlan Edwards. The Bass and Bajorquez would have been uh, the guys that I picked to win the jobs. And so now it's on to the regular season. And can Tyler Bass show that consistency from that – you know, 35 to 49 yard range, which is, I think only one of the only real big question marks for him, because I think he's going to be fine from distance. And, you know, he, I don't think he missed an extra point in camp. So, you know, we'll see how that, and he, and he's such a, a, a weapon as a, as a kickoff artist too. I mean, he puts it out of the end zone into the win and during the scrimmage, good stuff. Yeah. Love everything that he said about, you know, if he wants to keep a job in the NFL, it's going to come down to how consistent he can be on those 40 to 49 yard kicks. But like you said, realistically, 30 to 49 yard kicks, but he could really end up being an asset for this team. Think about going into halftime. If the bills get the ball and, and they can get into position to kick a 60 yard field goal before halftime with the clock winding down and no time left on, that's a, that's a kick that he has the the ability and the strength in his leg to make. You could do it again if you're in a tie game, not necessarily saying you want to have a game winner come down to a 60-yarder, but you might be able to do that uh, at the end of a game too. So he could end up being a valuable asset to this team when all is said and done in 2020 with such high expectations for this uh, overall team and roster. I'm just laughing because I'm looking over to the side and we just started using this this new uh, platform here to to stream our things. And, and I can control if I, you know, users in their comments and in the thing, Oh, hi, this. I didn't mean to show that, but I can actually click on the user and it lets me like put them in timeout on YouTube. So if I have a YouTube commenter that is just bringing some nasty, some, some, just some not, not so great commentary, I can put you in timeout. So watch out. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are great. Great comments today. This has been such a fun show. We really wanted to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive because we had to get out of here early yesterday. We will be back Wednesday night. Massive show i'm so excited i love when now when we're like almost 50 episodes in if you count the the short little bills flash briefings that we do i think we're close getting close to 40 of actual shows and you know we've had a lot of the you know the buffalo media market we have some national people on as well we have not had tyler dunn on yet former bills beat reporter uh nfl features writer uh from bleacher report uh who uh recently was one of the unfortunate layoffs there uh, but this dude is a beast. What's next uh, that coming from him is going to be absolutely massive. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. We're going to talk to him about the Bills, the AFC East, the NFL, so many things. Bring your questions. Bring your answers or uh, your energy because you guys – I love the comment section. I always, I'm always watching because in these shows specifically, Ryan's been really monitoring the comments, and which I appreciate. And I always can see when somebody drops some funny because I, I see it all over Ryan's face. So that's been great. Um, Wednesday night, I believe 730, uh, check back, uh, when I post the actual, uh, time on that, but, and if you could, as always shout a Buffalo bills, football podcast, search it on all the audio platforms too: Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Podbean. We're on pretty much everything rate review and subscribe. It helps us out. Ryan, my friend, what, what I see you too. Are you, what are you going to a, like a, a, a workout specialist now? You've been, you've been doing all this stuff and now you're, you, now you're taking it, you're taking it to another level. Yeah. Started a new boxing program, 10 rounds today. Pretty, pretty uh, tough. I, I like it though. I think it uh, is that next thing that I needed to start doing. 
Nice. Next time you're next time you're in town, we can have you do a little sparring session with our guy John John Scott. He always does the boxing classes too. So uh, I'm I'm a I covered the UFC for years, but I'm a I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I will stay out of that uh, business. All right, we're gonna get out of here. 45 minutes. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, he is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all your Bills coverage. We'll have you covered this rest of the week and then on Saturday for Cutdown Day. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us, and we will see you. Wednesday night. Have a good one, guys.